Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. everybody and welcome to another brand new spoiler review episode of the last of us here from the geek buddies well look this episode was emotional for sure but not as emotional as we had in the last episode so i think we're a little bit okay to jump into this thing and dive into it maybe there'll be a tear or two as we talk about it but this was one of the most incredible episodes of the season when there was hardly any action at all the threat of a couple of moments of action there was a lot of action in the dynamics and the relationships and the exchanges between all the characters here the furthering of the joel and ellie relationship joel and tommy finding each other again after five episodes and hearing the background of all the stuff that's going on with these characters getting some new characters introduced and a new town introduced, and as an outlaw, I was loving that little western town. Also, there's a lot of illusions and some beautiful direction being done here, looking like something out of True Grit, the remake, or something out of The Searchers, or something out of these western films that I thought had some nice moments. And then we had, I think, one of the most wonderful performances I've seen in any episode of HBO Max ever, and that's Pedro Pascal's performance in this episode. So we're going to talk about it all, break it all down here on the geek buddies but first let's uh, introduce ourselves i am the outlaw john roker writer producer and host here on the geek buddies i'm the in-law michael vogel writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies and this is shane mcclung i'm some dude who sounds like he's in a tin can right now because my microphone is arguing with the mac update <laughs> that being said you're gonna get to see me uh, this friday on uh, on the season premiere of party down they're, they're having a special six months for like twenty dollars <laughs> so hey <laughs> Get on it. Get Check on it out. The, the whole season's only six episodes, so you'll get through it. Toot sweet. <laughs> I will ask Shannon either to turn up your mic or to come closer to your mic if you don't mind. So it sounds like you're a little bit low in the volume wise. So just letting you know as we go little, forward, my brother. Just a little bit low. Yeah, there we go. Um, all right, we're going to jump into this thing. What we're going to do. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, we should give our thanks also to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us here into 2023 on the Geek Buddies. Thank you to Carbon Health. Go, on, go to carbonhealth.com or go and download the app to have a doc in your pocket uh, and uh, go and see if you've got if you've got any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs. They have virtual care, in-person care, 100-plus locations all over the country, 80-plus locations in California alone, and they're working on mental health stuff and dealing with stuff like 
panic attacks or anxiety attacks, which, of course, we dealt with here in the episode. So they're working harder to create more programs to help people uh, uh, kind of overcome that stuff or deal with that stuff in their life. So if you're going through that, head on over there to CarbonHealth.com and go get checked out today. Okay, How does this sound? Bring- does this, does this sound better? Does this sound better? You sound the same, but you can just keep doing that all episode long if you want. Just how about how about how about now? <laughs> Nothing. Wow. Is, this, is this what we're gonna do all all episode long? We got a lot to cover here, Shannon. A lot of things happened this week in The Last of Us. How about now? Oh, oh no, don't no, that's do good. that. That's <laughs> Somewhere in between what you just did. How about now? Okay, that works. We'll take it there. Um, all right. Anyway, we're gonna break this thing down into three sections. Uh, and uh, cover it all and uh, for you all. And so sit back, relax, and let's have a conversation about Last of Us Episode 6 called Kin. It is called Kin. And uh, so fantastic. I want to give love to the director right off the bat here, Jamiz- Jamila uh, Zavanik, uh, a fantastic uh, um, Bosnian and Yugoslavian director. Uh, so interesting to get a voice like hers involved in this. She's done a number of projects in the past and probably a lot of stuff you all who are watching us have not seen before, but what a way to announce yourself to American audiences with an episode like this that was so incredibly well directed. You know, we start off here. Oh no, we start off with Michael's, Michael and Shannon's overall thoughts. So, Michael, please, overall thoughts on this episode six here, Ken. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, I think I feel like every week we're like, oh, it's one of the best episodes, which <laughs> is a good sign for a series. But I actually didn't realize until you said it just now that there's virtually no action in this episode because I was still on the edge of my seat. And I think what makes Last of Us so great yeah. is that Joel and Ellie having an emotional confrontation is just as thrilling and tense and nerve wracking as battling a bunch of infected is. Mm. And I think that's why this show is as successful as it is. Like, I thought this was just an absolutely fantastic episode. I thought the performances across the board were great. And again, it just continues to be one of the most gorgeous shows on TV. Like, it, it we say it every week, but it has set the bar so high for video game adaptations. Uh, and each week seems to keep setting the bar even higher. Yeah. Shannon, your thoughts overall on this episode? You know, we came out of that last episode with Henry and Sam, what happened there? Some of the ramifications echoing through this episode and in Joel's mind. So uh, what are your thoughts about this episode as we saw everything that happened here relationship-wise and some new uh, settings and new characters introduced? Well, I mean, it's another one. It's just another really good one, as you all have said already. Um, some great guest appearances, especially with Graham Greene and uh, Elaine Miles, I think her name is. Um, yeah, and just a beautifully, beautifully shot episode. Everything in the snow there, crossing the bridge, you know, everything was just, it was just such a, it was such a pretty episode. And then you get to see like a, a glimmer of hope of, there that there is this town that has started to kind of rebuild but in Mm. this world they have to be very very careful about who they let in and we're getting more and more about what joel actually did the fact that tommy what what joel did what they both did but is eventually what drove tommy away and it's something that tommy hasn't forgotten um but you also find out that uh tommy didn't need joel anymore like he's yeah. he's he has moved on and you would say you could say he's even doing better and right. watching Joel struggle 
with that, but also struggling with his, like, you know, we, uh, we're assuming these are like panic attacks that he's having, but also he's old. I mean, he, he's, he's 56, 57 in a kind of in an unforgivable world. And so it's starting to take a toll on him and watching um, his, his interaction with Ellie, where you can tell, like, he does care about this, this, you know, y- young woman. Mm. Um, and that the best thing for her in his mind is to not be around her, to, to, to hand her off to someone who's more capable. And the vulnerability that Pedro Pascal shows, as you were saying, John, mm. I mean, just really, really incredible work. It's, 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 it's acting without words. Um, you know, yeah. everything that he's showing is, is right there on his face. And it was really impressive. Yeah, I tweeted out before we started the review because I rewatched it again this morning and just said, you know, if you, if any of these voting bodies ignore this performance because it's a zombie show or whatever they want to tell themselves, and I know, don't flip, flip out in the in the comments. I know it's a fungal infected. I get it, but I'm saying that's how some of these people will categorize it. I think they can go f themselves because this is an incredible performance on the par with anything you can give me from Brian Cranston, anything you want to give me from Bob Odenkirk. This belongs in the same conversation. Jason Bateman and Ozark. This belongs in the same conversation, and we're still only six episodes in. So we'll see what we're going to get uh, uh, in three more episodes here by the end. Um, all right, so we're going to break the. I think you guys can tell how I felt about the episode, so we'll move on from that. We're going to break this thing down in three sections here and dive into it. So strap in and get ready. Here we go. All right. Uh, uh, we see from the beginning, it is three months after what happened with Henry and Sam. And guess what? We're in a wintry wonderland, so you already know I love this episode. Snow, like the day is long. So I'm so happy to see an episode full of snow. I wrote it down. We're in a frozen tundra, my heaven. Uh, we see uh, an older Native American man walking into his uh, house here, into his place. And uh, what I imagine is his partner is sitting there just waiting for him, which is an odd interaction, of course, that African-American man is Graham Green. So great to see Graham Green be a part of this show as well. Native, 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 Native American. Sorry, Native American. Indigenous. What indigenous. What is it? African-American. I think he's Oh, indigenous. I'm sorry. Native American. Sorry, sorry. Listen, <laughs> I'm the one with a Native American girlfriend, so I'll use the term I think is right. Uh, anyway, Native American here, having the conversation. <laughs> see that? And he sees his uh, wife, I would imagine, there, and she's a little bit, like, just kind of chill, and they have an interaction, but he senses something is wrong, and here comes Joel. Joel has a gun on them. They have a back and forth about, uh, you know, you got to tell me where we're at. We're trying to figure out where we're at. Um, We don't know if they're going to tell him the truth. He says, well, you got to match whatever your wife tells me. You better be telling me the same thing. Ellie then pops up, pulls out her gun, comes running down the stairs, and they have a a really interesting banter and interaction about Tommy and then about where they're trying to go. And we hear from uh, from his character. I want to give them their proper names here. It's a... Florence and, and uh, oops, sorry, what's that? Marlon. Marlon. That's right. Marlon. Marlon and Florence. And for those of you who don't know, Elaine Miles, that's who's playing Florence. She was in Northern Exposure. She was a series regular on that show. So some of you may remember her. But yeah, they have interactions here with Joel and Ellie about where they're going, talking about if you cross that river, it's the river of death. We've seen the bodies there, both infected and not infected. So an interesting kind of uh, foreshadowing of what we're going to get later in terms of the conversation. Um, so fascinating stuff here presented to us. And then we see them walk out, Joel and Ellie walk out. Um, and uh, although they get the warning from Marlon not to go west, he said, go head east instead, away from that dangerous area. They're going to go anyway. And Ellie is the one leading the way. We're going. I don't believe those guys. I'm not afraid, blah, blah, blah. And then we, she steals the rabbit. And we see Joel have the first of his panic attacks, just kind of hanging on to the or anxiety tech whatever you want to call it hanging on to the pole there 
Um, and so an interesting moment. They walk for a bit, then they uh, and we see the beautiful landscape and these areas, once again, covered with snow, which I love. They camp out for the night. They share a flask. Interesting. Uh, kind of another, um, uh, I don't know, interaction, adulting her up step by step in these moments. Uh, and then they play a game of what would you do? What are you going to do first when they create a cure, which, is, of course, is something out of a, something like a World War II film. You know, when I get back, I'm going to go back to my old pizza parlor and see Sally. And, of course, that's the first person who dies. So who knows if that's a foreshadowing of something that happens. Anyway, Joel says he wants a ranch. He wants to raise some sheep. Ellie wants to go to space. But she does mention that she was in a QC with her back to the ocean and her and in front of her was a wall. So where was this QZ located? So interesting little hint there. Um, and she tell and she reveals to him that she tried to help Sam by rubbing the blood on him and it didn't work. And Joel alleviates her worry by saying, you know, you tried and that this is much more complicated than you think. Um, and says he'll take the first two watches. We cut to him waking up because he couldn't handle the first two watches, which is a little bit of a hint of what we're going to get later. The idea that he can't do it anymore like he thought, like he could in the past. You actually do need sleep. You actually do need these things as you get older. And Ellie is there awake already. Uh, and she gives him a little bit of shit because uh, she watched all she watched over him, but he's still not happy with it. Then we cut to Joel hunting in the snow with Ellie. And they keep crossing these areas here all covered in snow. They cross a bridge. Beautiful cinematography, beautiful direction here. They come upon a dam. Joel says, don't ask me how this damn thing worked, but that's how they got electricity. And then they finally come upon the river of death or what Ellie thinks is the river of death and are set upon by all these people coming over the hill on horseback. Uh, definitely a little bit of the cowboy vibe to it or the Western vibe to it. We get a tense moment with a dog who can apparently smell the infected um, on the, if they're infected on them, which of course might be an allusion to what we had a lot of people claiming that we had COVID hunting dogs, dogs that could smell COVID on people. So very interesting uh, moment there. Joel, t Joel tells those people that he's looking for his brother. Uh, and then a woman rides out ahead of them to look at Joel and asks who is, what his name is. Uh, and so they get on the horse next, we cut to them riding on into the fort. And this is a full on fucking Western town. Uh, and I wrote, this is where I would hide out. So let's end there. So, all right, so they get to the town. Michael, right off the bat, we get the uh, uh, conversations here with an indigenous couple, Native American couple, with the term you want to use. And they have a first first people's government. They're having a conversation about all this stuff. Then we see Joel and Ellie getting a little more closer. It's been three months, so clearly they're having uh, stronger connections. They're talking about what are you going to do when it's all over? What, what What's your dreams? All these kinds of things going on here. And then, of course, they're set upon danger as soon as they get to that river of death. So what do you think about this opening here coming out of episode five into episode six? Uh, well, I, first of all, I just love the opening scene uh, with Marlon and Florence. Mm. I just think, you know, like to, to kind of set us up to kind of get us reacclimated after three months, uh, you know, throwing us into this scene with this couple, it could have gone very much in the expected way. Uh, right. You know, this couple that's really scared for their life. Who is Joel? He's this dangerous man. Ellie calms him. Like, there's a thousand ways you could have played this scene. Yeah. But to play this scene with this couple that is just like, whatever, was A, way more fun because it was just sort of unexpected. Yeah. But also, and we talked a lot about this last week, you know, like this show throughout the entire series... Uh, so much of it is about the the duality of these relationships. So you've got your 
you've got your Joel and Sarah. You've got your Joel and Ellie. You've got your Henry and Sam. You've got your Frank and Bill. Now you have your Florence and Marlon, and you see this couple that, uh, you know, they are they they've made a life for themselves, and they're completely relaxed in this world. They're not. Uh, holding on to anything. They are not uh, angsty. They're not like Kathleen. You know, like they're just very, very comfortable. And the entire conversation they have is about trust. Yeah. Like Joel kind of saying to them, like, well, this, he's like, well, did you tell him the truth? Yeah. Are you telling me the truth? Yeah. All right. Like, and like, so it just kind of, again, reinforces this idea of people who have found peace in this horrible world by finding each other. So I thought that was really, really nice. And then, yeah, as soon as you go out and Joel is having his moment, you know, you just start to realize, uh, and you know, at first I was like, okay, wait, are they, are, is like, is this a heart attack? What's happening? It's not until you sort of get to the later scenes that you sort of contextualize everything, but that really he is so deathly afraid of not being able to be there for Ellie. And after everything that happened in Kansas City and after everything that went down there, he is just really dealing with the fact like he has buried what happened with Sarah down so deep. And now all of a sudden, all of that trauma that he buried down and never actually dealt with is coming back up because he's having to face those exact same fears again. And the whole scene where they're sitting out, you know, the campfire scene is great. Uh, you know, talking about what they want, where, you know, like, and, and it's like, it's one of those great moments because up until this point, they've, they've never had the time, like now that they're close to the end of this and seeing that there's a possibility of a road, uh, like there's a, there, there's an end point, they can start thinking about what's next. They've only been thinking about get to Tommy, get to the fireflies, get to Tommy, get to the fireflies. And now they're starting to talk about it. And when people are sharing what their dreams are, like what they're looking for, that's where you are starting to open up to somebody. So we're really seeing Joel and Ellie both open up here. But yeah, then he he sleeps, he wakes up, he's mad at her. And I think he's, you know, he's saying he's mad at her. You should have woken me up. You should have done this. I think he's really more mad at himself. He's oh, mad yeah. at himself that he slept. He's mad at himself that he couldn't stay up all night and protect her and watch her. He's just, he's really, really dealing with all this. And then you get to the scene where everybody like surrounds them on horseback You've got this dog and he just, he completely freezes again. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to defend her. He doesn't know what to say to make this go away. And we are right there with him. Like, what is this dog going to smell? Like, how is this going to go? I thought the dog thing was really interesting too, just as a sidebar. Like I, you know, Star Star Wars does this. Everything does this. There's always like technology versus nature, like our reliance on science and technology versus more communing with nature and animals and flora and fauna. And I find it interesting that uh, for Fedra, with that little kind of device they have, that thing shows Ellie is infected. Like she is dangerous. But the dog knows what's up. Uh, And I thought that was interesting that like everything about the people of Jackson, like they're on horseback. The town itself looks much more natural. Like there's just this vibe of like people that like, worked with the land to make it work as opposed to people who bombed everything out and are just living in the ruins. Like there's just, there seems to be that going on a lot thematically in this episode, but yeah. So we're gearing up for all of just the, the, uh, the outrush of emotion that's going to be coming up once they get into the town. But yeah, like you're really setting up that Ellie and Joel seem to be in a good place, but Joel is having a really, really hard time post Kansas city. Yeah, certainly foreshadowing what he's going to do or what he's going to reveal to Tommy when he has that breakdown later on uh, in this next section we're going to talk about. Great points, Michael. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts here on this opening and what's being set up here before we walk into this 
well-fortified town. I mean, Vogel covered a lot of it, but I will say, like, just with that opening scene, there are actors that just their presence on screen adds so much weight to, 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 you know, to the story that's being told. And Graham Greene is one of those actors. Like, he... It, like it, that's the type of thing that can't really be taught in in a class. Like that's just something that as a performer you either have or you don't. And he has it just, it's just pouring out of him. Like the moment Graham Greene comes onto the screen, you just, you, you're lo- you lock eyes on him. And like, I was not a Northern exposure watcher, but I did recognize Elaine miles mm-hmm. and the writing that Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann do for this. It's so funny. I mean, because it's just this older couple who, you know, they've been there way longer than, you know, than uh, uh, than the uh, the the infected. Yeah. I mean, they've been there before, you know, Pedro Pascal was, you know, uh, when they said like he, before he was born or before he was a kid. Um, so the idea of someone stumbling upon them, this is a this is a situation that they are familiar with. Yeah. And Elaine Miles character is so familiar it's like you're not a threat. I'm gonna make you some soup. Yeah, because it's cold yeah. outside. Um, the whole thing tell. where he says, you know, I'm looking for my brother. I haven't seen him. He's like, I haven't told you what he's looked like. Does he look like you? Yeah, I haven't seen him. <laughs> <laughs> the the dialogue is just so so funny, and the kick that Graham Greene gets out of Ellie, like when she comes down, is like, oh, what, yeah. what you, you know, they're both a thousand. And he's like, so what's this little psycho story? <laughs> 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 It's so well written in a scene like that. Like we know that Joel and Ellie are not going to come in and hurt this, hurt this elderly couple. But the fact that they're able to pinpoint that right away that, you know, they've, Mm -hmm. they've lived off the grid for a very, very long time. They've had people come up on them. We know you're, you're not bad people. (laughs) Um, So just the whole scene was really, really great. And again, when, uh, uh, when Pedro Pascal, when Joel, sleeps in again like we're thinking just an episode or two episodes ago when they're in kansas city and he he doesn't hear he doesn't hear henry and sam come up on that Mm. broken glass that he set out because he's doesn't hear so great in the one ear um yeah you just see this it's it's like the uh fighter in the twilight of his career Mm. like he's a little slower he's not quite as strong as he used to be and really dealing with the mortality, the mortality of that, but also the fact that he has taken this kid under his wing and what started off as cargo has now become his kind of surrogate daughter. Yeah. And, you know, he, 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 the journey has just been lined with for him, what he sees as failure after failure, after failure, after failure. And he's gotten to the point with in their relationship that he cares about her. And he's like, I'm going to fail again. I don't want you to be here when it happens yeah. um, because that failure could result in your death. And so you do see how deeply Joel feels. And as Vogel said, how he has not processed that trauma that has been with him ever since Sarah died in his arms. Yeah. Um, you know, as they're walking in again, just beautiful cinematography yeah. um, in that moment where not only can that dog smell infection they're still like the dog's gonna tear you up if yeah. you're infected and you look in that situation it's like what do i like what do i do yeah you know there, there's no right maneuver here because like i could try to explain it but the moment i tell you guys this you're gonna you're gonna shoot her yeah um right. so like he's really put <laughs> what was it the thing from star trek the uh, kobayashi, kobayashi, kobayashi maru, maru. Kobayashi maru. <laughs> 
Like it's literally a, a, Ko, a Kobayashi Maru situation. The thing, the thing from Star Trek. That's why you're not on the Picard reviews, by the but way. Here we go. Oh, oh, here oh, we is go. Is that the reason? <laughs> 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 but then, yeah, getting to that town, like you see, just it's it's gorgeous, and they've got you know they're 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 bringing civilization back. And oh, and, and, slow down, slow down. We're oh, gonna get to sorry, that. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, we're gonna get to that. Although I do, Shannon made an interesting point. You know, like I was yeah. talking about the dog, and I want I don't I don't know if this was an intentional parallel, but there is something about Marlon and Florence instantly being able to tell that these two are not a threat, right? And the dog also just inherently knowing that Ellie's not a threat. Like, right. that you have these two things that are so close to each other in the episode that the people that are uh, more, like, okay with the world, have made their yeah. peace with things, are tied to the land. Like they said, they've, they've been there long before anybody else. They were there long before the infected were. Like, there's just something about the people that inherently understand and have their hearts open to something versus the people that don't. When you look at Fedra, when you look at Kansas City, like you just, this whole episode is such a contrast from the world that we've seen thus far, uh, both in Florence and Marlin at the very beginning and then when we get to Jackson. Yeah, I love the Florence and Marlin stuff because that's like, you know, as you said, Mike, they've been around, but like also they've seen it all. And so for them, they don't need to get emotional about stuff. And that's what happens for most people as they get older is like relax it's okay <laughs> you know it's gonna happen i hope i get there one day but for most people as i have i have become less emotional as i've gotten older but you but it's still there and so you hope you get and, and so i love the the rapport with both of them i love the ease with both of them and i will say this as i mentioned earlier i've met some of my uh, girlfriend's native american family and that there's a very like kind of laid back kind of approach to things because the world is already set against them in, a, in in this country because of how they view and all the history there. So there's more a matter of like, this is just how it is. And I like that we got a little window into the fact that she didn't want to go with him to live out in the woods and out of nowhere and separate. She's like, I didn't want to go. And, and so it's like, so you get that interaction that gives you li- even a little more personality, a little more life. Because we only have a snapshot with them, yeah. Kind of like at Hannah Waddingham and her partner in in uh, Willow. We only got that one scene with them. That was pretty much it. But I think this scene was much more effective than that scene. Oh. And how to use the guest star? <laughs> I, I think we could go. On, I think we could go on go on record and say there's a lot of scenes in Last of Us that are more effective than a lot of scenes in <laughs> Willow. I mean, if we're just gonna call the ball here, let's just That's call it like point. it is. <laughs> But I do like the interactions of all four, though. And you're right, Shannon, to point that out, which I had forgotten. Graham Greene's like, hey, his reaction to her when she's using <laughs> cuss words and stuff. It's a great reaction out of respect. You know, she's she's a, war- she's a little warrior almost, recognizing she can handle herself. But then when they walk out, it is not a coincidence that Joel is having these panic attacks as he's getting closer to Ellie. There's something to lose here. There's something that reminds him of Sarah that he might lose again. So you see him starting to have these panic attacks and they make a focus of it in this episode. And there's a reason for that. And I think it's they're hinting at the fact that he is actually caring about her. And certainly later when we see him by the stables in an emotional state, he legitimately realizes that he does. And so it's like that moment, I think, was a little bit of a foreshadowing of what we're going to see later, which is why these things are happening to him. Him teaching her how to hunt, all those things he couldn't do with, with Sarah, he is now doing with Ellie. So it's triggering all these things. And you're right, him falling asleep, then being woken up and, and, you know, she looks great framing again. And she's just standing there with that rifle and she is very much in control and he is ashamed. He's embarrassed. And you were right, Mike, he's mad at himself 
not at her, because he's realizing, as men do, or as humans do, realizing the limits as you get older, things that you could you used to do, no problem. You can't do them before, and it's a hard process to accept it. Like Betty Davis said, getting old ain't for the weak. So, you know, it's, it's the truth in, in life. So, um, all right, let's take a quick break, and we'll jump into the town here that Shannon already foreshadowed uh, right after this. <laughs> do, do, do. Do, 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 do. I don't do, even know do, do. hear it, to be honest with you, Let's go into the town here. All right, we come riding in. We see a little, we see when they're riding in, we see a little red uh, flag there, kind of no, a, a sign there that everything is okay. They open the town. This is a great fort. This is essentially a fort, what they've built here. Something out of the Wild West, a fort there, a, a, a resembling civilization. We see all these stores. We see kids. We see adults, diff, all ethnicities, a diverse group of people rolling through here. And then we come upon the middle of the town and Joel sees Tommy and screams out for him. Tommy sees him, comes down. I think they're setting up. It looks to me like this is not the place where they hang people. I don't know. But Tommy comes running down and they have an incredible embrace, real caring embrace here, which I think is fantastic. Um, and then Ellie is a bit abrasive later on when we see them uh, having food. They're talking. They're having food. He's having a meal. We see that uh, Maria, that is the girl, that the woman that originally came out and confronted them when they were out on the frozen tundra. She is there sitting there with uh, Joel and Ellie and uh, Tommy, and they're having a conversation, and it's the first time they're getting some food. It's a, re- a full meal is what Ellie reveals, uh, and uh, uh, Tommy indicates that he is married to Maria here after some interactions between Joel and Ellie, and Joel telling Ellie to watch her manners by using the cuss word. Ellie, Ellie notices someone looking at her, which I think is going to pay dividends later on down the road. Uh, and then when Joel, when Tommy reveals that uh, he wants, uh, or when Joel reveals that he wants Tommy to come with him, Tommy says he can't. Says, uh, you know, it's it, I want to talk with my family. And then Tom, and Tommy says, well, Maria is family, and that's when it's indicated essentially that they got married. And Joel uh, is not happy. And Ellie is the one now in a reverse that has to tell him to mind his manners and say congratulations to Tommy. So he is, he begrudgingly does so, which is an interesting moment for sure between both of them, Tommy. And, and then they go on a tour here, Tommy and Maria take them on a tour and we hear that it's a commune. We hear the word communism thrown about, which I thought was really, and both the guys have a hesitation about it. And for me, this is how I take it in the Latino culture. Communism is a big, big buzzword about because what happened with Cuba, what happened with other countries, revolutions, things of that nature. So to see two Latino men have a weird kind of look at each other about communism, I thought was a really interesting moment. You could also go like two Americans having a conversation about communism as well or interaction about it. But like seeing two Latino men have it, I think there's even more of levels going on in that interaction there. Anyway, uh, Joel sends Ellie off um, with Maria while he and Tommy catch up. Uh, They're having a drink and Joel lies about Tess. Tommy tells him that the Fireflies are a week's ride from there. Joel wants Tommy to go with him. Tommy doesn't want to go. They debate over the old things that they did. We hear about the murdering of people. We hear that Joel did what he had to do. We hear Tommy say, I know you did. There were better ways, but we didn't know them at the time. We weren't good at them at the time. And I forgive you for all that. I don't carry any of that with me. But clearly Joel still does because Tommy left him. And Tommy then uh, pulls out the card here to use and tells him that Maria is pregnant. And Joel is rude as shit about it when Tommy is vulnerable talking about his concerns and worry and fear that he has that he's going to be a good dad. 
And as I said, Joel is rude as shit about it. And then Tommy calls him out and says, just because life stopped for you doesn't mean it stopped for everybody else. Hell of an interaction there. Then uh, Joel walks out. Joel has another attack, holds on to yet another pole. And then he thinks he sees his daughter, uh, who, Sarah, as she was, not as she would be now, but as she was back then. And then, of course, realizes it isn't her. We cut to Ellie, who is showering and gets a message from Maria that she's in another uh, across the street in the house. And there's some sort of feminine product. If you guys know what it is, I know what it is. I didn't ask anybody what it is, but it's some sort of thing to assist her there. Uh, she goes across the street. Thanks, Maria. You do you do know what it's used for, though, yes? No, I like, do. I have no idea. What is it, Mike? So women, yeah. different than men. Once a month, you know women what? You can just explain thing. it with I've been a jerk off. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. It's called, a it's, it's called a diva cup. It's called a oh, diva cup. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. It is more environmentally friendly than tampons. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right, we're moving on. All right, so, so she goes across. <laughs> Maria, I'm all uncomfortable now. Maria gives her a haircut, and they have conversations about her daughter and then how she was an ADA and assistant district attorney, and then also talking about Joel's daughter, Sarah. And this is the first time that Ellie hears about Sarah. Maria tries to convince her not to be with him, uh, saying, you know, Joel's done some stuff. And Ellie's like, I know, he's killed people. What's the big deal? Tommy did it too. Did that stop you being with him? And just like, uh, you know, some partners, they get tricked into believing that not their partner, their partner was convinced by the other person to do certain things. So she counters saying Tommy was convinced by Joel to do these things. Uh, we'll see what the truth is there. Uh, they end up going to the movies and they see the goodbye girl. There's a lot of symbolism there with the goodbye girl. Uh, and then Ellie sees Tommy talking to Maria and then Tommy has a conversation with Joel and this is a very big conversation as well. Uh, and tells Tom, he tells Tommy that um, he reveals that Ellie is immune. Tells Tommy the whole story about how they got here. Tass is dead. He reveals the truth of everything. And then Joel reveals all the times he feels he's come up short. He breaks down, defends, uh, comes up short defending Ellie and how it mirrors his feelings about Sarah. Talks about his panic attacks, his terrible dreams, how he's failed her over and over again. And we don't know if he means Sarah, if he means Ellie, or if he's conflating the two. And uh, Joe wants to leave Ellie with Tommy because he thinks he will get her killed because he's too old. He can't do it anymore. Tommy is younger and better than him. Um, Tommy agrees to do it, walks in, sees Maria, turns his back on Maria, and she knows that he's probably going to go off and do something she doesn't want him to do. Joe goes to talk to Ellie, and then she knows because earlier we had seen her walk out of the movies, and so she eventually found them, we imagine, and then eavesdropped on them. She calls him out. And put Sarah on the table and says, I'm not Sarah. Joel tells her not to mention Sarah. And she and he resists. And she calls him out and tells him. And when he says, like, you don't know what pain is, she says, I've lost everyone that I've ever loved. They've either, they've either left or died. So I know about pain. And then he remembers Sarah and Christmas. So let's stop there. Two very powerful moments, uh, uh, scenes here. Um, uh, Shannon here with Joel and Ellie. And with Joel and Tommy as well, but also Maria, you know, Maria being involved in this as Tommy's uh, partner, whatever you want to say. I don't know if there's marriage in that town or whatever, but certainly his partner. And then she's pregnant. So there's a lot going on here in this town. We get a lot uh, in these uh, furthering of these relationships in enriching of the stuff here that's going on and all these interactions. So what do you think about this whole time in the town? Again, beautifully shot knowing that this is an actual town and can you be louder i guess i would say oh can, can i be louder right yeah. now yeah. yeah 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 hold on i'll 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 bump this up oh. i was trying i was trying here we go here we go <laughs> all right 
Okay, get ready. Uh, I'm trying to be very, very cautious right now. How is that? The same. How is that? Mike? I don't know. All right, we'll just keep going then. How is that? Yeah, fine. That's good. Okay. Um, again, just beautiful set. Everything just looked incredible. And yeah, I had the same thought, John, that that those that those looked like they were originally constructed to be gallows, but they were yeah. using them to kind of transport materials, um, you know, to a higher level. Um, you know, I thought it was really funny as they're eating and uh, uh, everything uh, Joel's saying about let's let's mind our manners. Like it's very mm-hmm. much kind of like an old Western. Like oh, we need it. We're in the city. We're like we need to have our city manners now. Um, I thought that that worked out really really well. Seeing the relationship between Tommy and Maria and how giving they are once they let you in, but they have to make sure that you're. They got to make sure that you're okay because it's like, look, you know, this, this, this was constructed very, very carefully. Like, you know, this, this is what this started off of. This is what this is. We're in the middle of this valley. So in fact, it's not a problem. It's a turkey shoot. Like you can see that this was a great place for humans to sort of uh, settle and to see if they can keep their way of life going. Um, Yeah. The, the, it's, it's crazy. Like with Joel being so upset at Tommy, like you got, what you got married like yeah she's pregnant like dude you guys have been separated for for a while like tommy went off on his own like he didn't and the the whole thing that maria convinced him to stay off the radio yeah like it's just real it's just a really really interesting dynamic that the two of them have because their dynamic was set for so long is tommy was the screw up joel was the guy who always had to kind of bail him out um seeing uh ellie making not making eyes but calling calling a young girl out who's staring at her like ellie is used to a certain way of life and that is not that is not what they have here like they're actually trying to reconstruct society and they're letting kids be kids um you know knowing that they have a jail that (laughs) under the bank that they don't need to use because everyone is kind of on the level of like this is what we have to do to survive like here are our rules and like the whole uh thing that you had mentioned john how both of the guys kind of bristle at the the uh, the the c word yeah the communism word yeah and maria being very like no no that's what it is (laughs) like that's uh, that's we live on a commune we are communists yeah um, the scene, how far did we get here? I forget. All the way to the end to where um, the, Joel has the conversation with Ellie. That was so heartbreaking. Yeah. Because, again, Ellie saying, Ellie finding out that Joel had a daughter and kind of what happened. And Ellie basically saying, like, I'm not her. And the fact that, you know, Joel didn't want to talk about it. Like, that's not, that's not something he's ready to dive into. Yeah. Maybe and maybe he's never going to be ready to. Um, but him basically saying, like, look, tomorrow we say our goodbyes. Like, that is a heartbreaking thing to say to a child who yeah. views you as the only way they can survive. Um, yeah, it was just a really, really well done sequence. Again, for some for for a, for an episode that didn't have any action, um, this was still just captivating. And a lot of it, I mean, obviously beautiful direction, but a lot of it is just those performances. What about the uh, uh, scene between Joel and uh, Tommy where Joel is revealing his, um, you know, weaknesses to Tommy finally and opening up to him and wanting to hand Ellie off to Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely yeah. heartbreaking because Tommy is very clear, like, no, 
this is my life now. I, I have, uh, I have responsibilities. I have a kid coming. And then basically Joel going to him with his hat in his hand. He's like, I'm going to get this kid killed. And there, she, there is a possibility with her that maybe as a, as a people, we're going to be able to turn the corner and I'm not going to be able to get it done. Like, ah, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Mike, your thoughts on this? A lot was going on here. Joel obviously confronting his issues that Tommy's moved on. You know, Joel getting a little possessive of the life he wanted to have before Tommy because Tommy calls him out and says, you know, just because your life stopped when Sarah died, you want everything to just stay the way it is for 20 years. It doesn't mean we have to buy into that approach to the world. We move on. We do what we can do. You're stuck in this Mm -hmm. moment. And then Joel revealing the issues he has being able to protect Ellie and what it's bringing up all this stuff with Sarah. We see him see Sarah in his mind. We see him have another panic attack. And then we also see him bristle at Maria because Maria is essentially replacing Joel in, uh, in uh, Tommy's life, which look, people go through that. Families go through, brothers go through, sisters go through that. The idea that a significant other comes in and kind of replaces or separates the family. Sometimes that can happen. And it certainly causes problems amongst friends. That's something that is just standard, no matter what's going on, fungal infection or not. That standard stuff. And then, and then, of course, the Joel and Ellie conversation battling about loss. And, and you know, I'll, in my time, I'll get to the talk about Goodbye Girl. But what do you think about all of this here in the town uh, as we head into the next morning here, uh, Mike? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, the, the, the town working the way it does and yeah. being as successful as it does is intentional because, look, Joel has thought from episode one that Tommy was in trouble. Right. Like Tommy was always in trouble. And he was expecting that he was going to come in and have to rescue Tommy. And this is the role that Joel is comfortable with. Joel is comfortable being the protector. But the thing about being a protector is it's a one-way street. You're just protecting, and even like, even if you love the person, like even if that is, this is your person that you care about, when you are just the protector, it's a one-way street. And that allows you to sort of have a little bit of a distance. So, you know, we know that he never fully let Tess in. Tess says right before she dies, I've never asked you anything. I never asked you to reciprocate my feelings. So he, he had, this was what he was with Tess. He was, she was around, but he kept her here because he was never going to let anyone in the way that he did. Tommy, he was Tommy's protector. That's established in the first episode. With Ellie, even though he and Ellie are becoming much closer, he doesn't want her watching over him. Mm-hmm. He's the protector. He's not going to do it. So then you get to this town. Tommy is fine. Yeah. Beyond fine, he is flourishing. And Maria is one of the core reasons for that as one of the council members of the town. Yeah. Um, and like, just a real quick on the town, like, yeah, it's a communist town. I know we have a lot of opinions about communism, but <laughs> it is very, it's very clearly established in the first couple episodes that Fedra is running in a very capitalist way. Like, yeah. here are some jobs. The shittier the job is, we will give you more paper. This paper is money. You can use it for whatever. Like, everything in Fedra is very, like, transactional. I go to the guard. I give him the drugs. He gives me the money. Like, it's all this. So to go to this town that is not that at all that is working very much as we all take care of each other, we share in everything, but it is not unintentional that the American flag is waving all over that town in some beautiful shots. Like this is a different uh, communism versus capitalism versus socialism aside. There is one idea of what America is at its worst. And there is an idea of what America can be at its best. And this is the other side of that. So that's really quickly on, on that whole part of it. But the more interesting part here is watching Joel's, metamorphosis in these scenes if you Mm -hmm. go from this tommy scene uh he's still not fully trusting tommy he lies about tess yeah he lies about ellie 
This is who, this is his brother, this is his guy, but he sees Tommy and he's not quite sure what's going on. He's not quite sure what's up with him and Maria. Uh, and again, Tommy and Maria is another duality in the same way that we've seen throughout over and over again in these episodes. And he doesn't know what to do. So he's not opening up and he doesn't know what to do. And then when Tommy lays the kid on it, I mean, you might as well just like poke some night in their trauma. Like Joel's entire thing is. I I lost my kid. Now there's this new person in my life that I am trying desperately to lie my lie to myself about how I feel about. And now you're telling me you're going to be a dad, and it's just like he just he can't handle any of it and just yeah. kind of lashes out at the whole thing. Um, and and he's not ready to really let Tommy back in yet. Like he is so so guarded in this scene. Um, then you cut over to the Maria and Ellie scene. Um, and you know, Ellie's getting comfortable, like everything about the scene from the diva cup that makes yeah. John super uncomfortable yes. to just trimming the, trimming the ends of the hair mm. to a nice, beautiful purple coat. Like everything about this is a level of luxury that Ellie has not had yeah. in her life. Like this, this place is a safe space and it's this space that she finds out about Sarah. And I got to tell you for an episode that didn't have a lot of action, as we keep saying, the second that Maria's like, oh, yeah, Joel had a daughter. And Ellie's like, well, that explains a lot. I, like, gasped. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is such an important revelation yeah. for her to have. And then even her watching this movie, I mean, like, looking around at everybody and just everyone is so comfortable and safe. And it's just, like, so foreign to her, which is so tragic and sad. But then, yeah, then this Joel and Tommy scene happens. And you see this shift. Like, Joel has been holding on to all of this stuff. Tommy comes in. He apologizes. The walls come down a little bit. And now Joel does the thing that we have not seen him do in this show. He asks yep. for help. Like, he, I mean, it's an emotional breakdown. It is a catharsis for him. But he asks Tommy for help. So the protector, there, he and Tommy are now on an equal level as he, like, reveals how traumatic he is. And I think you're right, John. When he says... I I can't save her. I can't save her. It's not Sarah or Ellie. It is just both because yeah. for his trauma, it's the same thing. Yeah. Everything he's feeling with Ellie is just the unresolved feelings that he's never really dealt with with Sarah. So it is all just one giant thing for him. Um, and for him to just be like, I can't do this. I need you to do it. I need you to help me. Like it is such a huge moment for him. Yeah. And you're right. And Pedro Pascal's performance here just is heart wrenching. Like just just so raw and real. It's not It's not one of those acting performances where he's like acting for the rafters and really going big. Right. He's just, it's, it's authentically genuine, which makes it so upsetting. And then the scene with him and Ellie that follows it, which is taken almost line for line from oh. the game. Oh. I mean, this, this scene is like these, one of these scenes from the game. Okay. Um, and when she says Sarah's name and he tells her to stop, the reason the scene is so good is because she doesn't stop. Like, like you see in his voice, like he's like, do not, we're not doing this. And she does it. And she, yep. she steps up to him and he tell, and, and I mean, this is their, this is a, this is their big fight. He, she brings up Sarah. He says, don't do it. He tells her she doesn't understand anything about loss. And she is like, fuck you. Everybody except you has gone in my life. Like they, it is a huge, huge fight. And like, it was Maybe like, I mean, in a, in a show where I've had so many favorite moments and for so many people who love the game and this scene is such an important scene for them, I think they just nailed this. And I think they knocked it out of the park. And then 
in typical Joel fashion, uh, I know we're gonna, we're, I'm jumping just two seconds ahead, but yeah. we're getting to the next scene the next morning. Um, and it's a beautiful thing because he goes away, he, he, he thinks about things, he remembers Sarah, and we don't have this huge moment where he shows up and has some huge monologue about, I've now realized. Like, yeah, that's not yeah. who Joel is. He's not going to roll like that. He just shows up to steal the horse and just never leaves. Like, it's kind of like, he's like, like it's the person who, I ha- we had a big fight, and I know that we said some things, and I don't really want to talk about it, so I'm just going to stand here for a while until you yeah. eventually show up. Yeah. I'm going to show up the next morning and help you move. Exactly. Yes, I agree. I wasn't going to say it, but yes, that thought did occur to me. If there was two people on Geek Buddies right now who have had more than one fight like that in their past, what? that is kind of how it gets resolved. It's fine. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I loved everything in this town. You know, I, I became the outlaw in, this, in the show because I love Western. So when we get any kind of Western stuff in any show we watch, I'm so excited about it. And there's this whole episode is very much a Western approach to things from the uh, landscapes, from the shots, from the cinematography, from the illusions, you know, true grit, the older gruff guy taking care of the young girl. She's the headstrong girl who's smart beyond her years, who wants things done, knows how to get things done. And you have those interactions. It's all there. The searchers, the old John Wayne going to save Natalie Wood from the indigenous or native American people that have taken her. So there's all these things that are there in the Western, and we get to the town, that's a Frontiers town. That's a Western town you've seen in numerous films and whatever, and so I love the illusions here. But everything we experience as we get in the town, we are like Ellie and Joel. We are a little trepidatious, because we're like, how is everything working so well here? Do they have a herd of infected that they use as slave labor? Like, what is, show me what the real thing is, and it never shows up which is so interesting as you're watching this show because you've been conditioned to believe that there's something behind this great, pristine existence. And you don't know how long this is going to last. Of course, the reason the reason communism always fails is because in the end, more people, some people want more than others and it becomes what shatters it. So we'll see where it ends up. But I love that we get someone like Maria, who's an assistant district attorney, well-spoken, understands her, understands how to address things, tries to get like a mother energy, trying to convince Ellie to not be a part of Joel or not be in Joel's world, but she pushes back. And look, we said, Michael and Shannon, you said this too, Joel is the protector, but Ellie is becoming Joel as we've referenced in previous reviews of the episodes. So Ellie defends Joel. Ellie protects Joel to Maria and is her way of suing it. And when they have the fight later, Joel and Ellie, Ellie says, I've defended you. I've defended you against her. I, you know, I spoke for you, blah, blah, blah. So you see that she is doing her own protecting, her standing over him while he's asleep. She took the high ground. She looked for the tracks. She did everything Joel told her to do. That's her. She is becoming a protector herself. And so it's very interesting to see that coming through here throughout this uh, scene in the town. And also for the goodbye girl, just a quick reference. That is essentially the same kind of thing. Richard Dreyfuss, if you've never seen the movie 1977, him and Marsha Mason, Richard Dreyfuss is this, uh, Marsha Mason is this um, a single mom with a daughter whose husband or lover has left and she's had a series of boyfriends that have come through and connected with the girl and she's scared to have another person come in and connect with her. Richard Dreyfuss talks his way into sharing the, having one of the rooms there so she can help her pay the rent 
And he ends up forming a very strong bond with the young girl. And so there's allusions to that as we're seeing this as it plays out. So a very smart choice of that movie. But also the idea, as you mentioned, Mike, the idea that everyone's just having movies. Everyone's watching movies like it's no big deal. Shannon, you said that as well. It's kind of an interesting situation. But Ellie, because she's Ellie, doesn't buy into it and sneaks around and eavesdrops and knows there's something else happening that she has to have access to. And so when Joel and Tommy have that scene, I think there's also really, you know, a conversation about loss, a conversation about trauma that's happening throughout this whole uh, season, which I think is fantastic. And Joel finally opening up about everything he's been holding on to, to the only person he can open up to, his brother, who has been with him through the wars. And yes, he was jealous. He was angry that his brother's moved on without him, that he's got a wife who believes in him and loves him, that he's about to have a kid. Joel feels even more useless. And that is hard for a protector who's been conditioned to believe I am a protector. If there's no one to protect, what is my purpose in life? So there's all of that that's being confronted that triggers the breakdown and yet another anxiety attack because of how he feels for Ellie. So the back and forth with him and Ellie when they're having that conversation there, I think is fantastic. And you're right, Mike, she doesn't take no for an answer. Just like uh, What's-Her-Face and True Grit, she doesn't take no for an answer. She is going to get what she needs to get out and you're going to hear her, God damn it, this is who she is. And Joel is finally broken by someone who is willing to break through his walls and reveal her feelings for him. And you see that in when she pushes him because she also isn't great with her feelings. So her physical attack, as she says, this big revelation is uh, part and parcel that it's a language Joel understands. So when we see them as Michael referenced here by the horse, there's a reason for that. You know, she's broken through to him and got even more of a connection, a stronger connection. So just beautiful stuff all over the town, all of these interactions, and it's, it's just great, great stuff. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll jump into the uh, last ha- last part of the show here right after this. The Christmas music? Nice. I like that. Well, it's all about snow. It, <laughs> so it <much>. is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next morning, as we said, Ellie is all packed. She certainly seems grumpy, kind of like that kid that's going off to camp that doesn't want to go off to camp. And uh, Tommy comes in. They barely share a word. um, And he says, stables, Mm, stables. And they head to the stables. Joel is there, as Michael mentioned. He waited 30 minutes there, claims that he was there to steal a horse, um, and then waited 30 minutes for her and then asks her to make a choice, which is – his way of kind of being like, choose me. And she immediately chooses Joel without a hesitation. Joel and Tommy have a back and forth about the situation. Joel asks for his rifle because um, uh, Maria took his rifle. And he goes, I already told you you could have my rifle. Calm it down. Tommy and Joel share an embrace. He tells them, though, there is a place for them when they want to come back, which I think is a really great gesture by Tommy. And Joel says, absolutely. Then we cut to Joel teaching Ellie to shoot. Um, and, uh, she's doubting him and trust me as someone who is terrible, I'll admit it. I was terrible with rifles. What she's te- what he's telling her is absolutely right. There's a way to shoot a rifle. It ain't just shooting it. You got to be really careful with a rifle. So I love that we get those little spe- specificity in those moments. And then a great moment of them right now, Joel talks with Ellie about how things were before the pandemic. We hear he, him reveal to her. He's opening up to her, their relationship now is becoming, even though he said, I'm not your dad in that earlier scene and you're not my daughter, 
it's very clear that that is happening here. This relationship is forming between the two of them much more quickly than it did before. He reveals he was a contractor. He lies how everybody loved contractors. They don't all love contractors. <laughs> and he also educates her on football. Uh, and then they get to that I-25 in five days. They head into the city. They ride into the university, and Joel talks to her about college and how people went to classes here. They mostly did partying and finding themselves. And then we see monkeys out in the courtyard. I was freaking out. Monkeys just walking wild in the wild. I was going nuts. They head to the science center. The center is pretty much ratted out. It's been kind of uh, uh, pillaged. They see it. Joel sees a packing list. So clearly it was pretty recent. Then we hear a noise. They walk upstairs to investigate, and it's monkeys. And they see four raiders, though, out the window when they hear a noise coming up. They head out the back. One of the raiders attacks Joel and Ellie when they get to their horse. Joel kills the guy after... You know, Ellie's saying, you know, Joel doesn't kill innocent people anymore. He kills the dude, snaps his neck, but then they both realize that Joel that dude wasn't snapped. innocent. What's that? That dude wasn't innocent. That dude wasn't innocent. Death was death the necessary moment. I don't know. He but came he at him with a bat. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to knock his head off. He could just knock him out. But anyway, he's been stabbed. Uh, we see the other raiders coming up. Uh, Ellie yells at Joel to get on the horse. They get on the horse. They ride away. And we cut to them riding out far away from the town. She says, I don't think they followed us. Uh, and then Joel starts to waver and he falls off the horse um, and passes out. She jumps off the horse, goes to him and, and it really have a, has a beautiful moment with her just getting emotional saying, I can't do this without you. I need you to stay. Please don't go all this stuff. And then we pan out and fade to black. So Mike, a great way to end the episode in my opinion, maybe a little rush to get to this moment, but I mean, it was, we had to have something after this moment with Joel and Ellie. And so seeing them connect, seeing them get stronger, but then seeing that bond threatened randomly by these four Raiders in this town, just as they're about to get her to the, um, to the fireflies uh, was a hell of a twist to have here as we end this episode. what do you think about this back half of the episode? Yeah. I like, I mean, it didn't feel that rushed to me only because okay. only because once Joel and Ellie have this moment. Like, they had the fight. Yeah. Like, stuff was said. And, and stuff was said in a way that, like, they both got a lot out. And yes. between Joel right. between Joel sort of completely opening up to Tommy and finally admitting what his biggest fear was. Mm -hmm. And then having it out with Ellie and kind of recognizing that they were equals. And I think it's a little bit of both. Like you're absolutely right. She is absolutely his daughter figure. Like he yeah. loves her and he's coming to love her in very much the same way that he loves Sarah. But at the same time, one of the key differences is that Sarah was always someone that he was protecting. Right. And Ellie, he's letting in in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really evident. And so I, what I mean is like the whole montage of the five day journey uh, like I, I got misty eyed. Like I really, it was so beautiful to me because he has told her that he is not going to teach her how to shoot so many times yeah. in these episodes. So all you got to do is show him teaching her how to shoot and you get it. Yeah. Um, he teaches her how to shoot. He's talking about his life before everything went to shit. Like all the things he's, all the things that he told her at Bill and Frank's house were never going to happen yeah. in a very quick montage. We see that it happened. And all I could think of is, God, this must have been just the best five days. <laughs> like, it, and, and again, yeah. to your point, it is shot so ridiculously beautifully I mean. that 
you just have these gorgeous shots of them going through this snowy wilderness and smiling and laughing and sharing with each other. And it's just so pure and so beautiful that it it just like it was it was it like I said, it just got me emotional because we finally got to see Joel with his guard down. And God, he is such a lovely human being with his guard down. Um, and then even getting into the college before they get into the building, you know, even him switching up what he said, you know, he's like, when, when, when Ellie said early on, what's your dream? And he was like, oh, I'm going to be a sheep farmer. And he's like, you know what? Uh, I always wanted to be a singer. <laughs> and she's like, what? And he's like, why are you laughing? Like, why are you laughing? I just revealed something. It's like a big secret. But like, it, it was, again, it was just so cute and it's so sweet. And so of course... As soon as we get to this level of sweetness, you got to fucking take it away. Of course. Um, so, you know, I mean, the important piece of information is they realize that the Fireflies all seem to have gone to Utah. Right. But so, aside from that important piece of information, you jump right to these bandits and holy shit, we're in trouble again. And then again, Ellie protects Joel. She's right. the one that has to call out to him because he can't hear the guy coming. So she calls out to him. He turns, uh, you know, still gets stabbed, but it would have been a lot worse. And then she helps get him out of there. And then we leave on this note, like now Joel is truly at his most vulnerable. Yeah. Like not forget about emotional vulnerability. Like he, he's going to die and it's up to Ellie now. So they have now completely where they kind of got to this lovely five days of equality. We've now flipped and Ellie is forced to be in the project uh, position of protecting Joel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just like, when you look at this episode as the emotional storytelling that happens from Joel at the beginning coming out of Kansas city to Joel, like teaching Ellie to shoot and having the best five days that he's had probably since the day the infected all showed up. Like it, it, it's a hell of a journey in this episode. Yeah, for sure. Shane, your thoughts on this, uh, what happens here with Joel and Ellie throughout this, uh, last section of the show. Yeah, this is all just beautiful character payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, the way everything was set up about how he, they're not going to learn about each other, that he's not going to teach her to do X, Y, and Z. And then we see like the, you know, the, the walls have come down. I mean, it's pretty much everything that Vogel, that Vogel already said. I mean, the, the handoff at the stable where he says, I'm going to give you a choice. I still think you'd be better off with time. Like he doesn't even get to finish, yeah. finish the statement. And she, she just throws her back like, let's go. I mean, it's, 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 it's that, it's that couple having a fight and like, I'm still mad, but you're my, but you're, you know, you're my partner, you know, we're, 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 we're together in this. So watching that whole, that, that montage again, I mean, I'm with you guys. Like that was just, it was just beautifully shot. And again, just, it warms your heart. And in a a story like this, you know, your heart can't be warm for that long Uh, (laughs) because there's three episodes left. Um, but as they get into the school, I, I immediately the moment where they walk in and like, I, were they baboons uh, or or like, I'm not sure what what sort of ape or primate they were. But the moment that I saw them for a second, I was just like, oh, my God, are those infected apes? Oh, yeah. Um, but then I also thought, like, well, I wonder how John is reacting to this right now. Um, but then as oh, they wow. are, we do get that quick action scene. And after he snaps the guy's neck, I mean, you see that look on Ellie's face, that kind of, <gasps> and you know, she's seen Joel take a life before. Like right, she has, right, right. she has seen that. Yeah. And so I thought it was a really interesting bit of filmmaking because we think that 
that reaction is to him snapping that guy's neck. And I think yeah. that the reaction is to him being stabbed. Like yeah. she sees, you know, that, that, that part of that bat sticking right. out of his gut. Um, but something that really like, you know, we, she establishes it with Sam in the episode before, like the thing that she's afraid of is she's afraid of being alone. I mean, yeah. the moment that he has that first panic attack in this episode and she's just like, you know, if you're, if you die, I'm fucked. Yeah. Um, and as he falls off the horse and we hear her talking, it's not, it, it's less, I don't want to be alone. It's like, don't leave me. It's, yeah. it's, it, it, there, it's like, there's a slight difference between, yeah. I don't want to be by myself. Like I'll take anybody. Right. It's no, I don't want you to go. And it was just, you know, it, that if this is a movie, like this is the end. I mean, like Joel's yeah. dead. Um, just the way that they pull out. But um yeah, the, the the whole episode was just again for, for something that had a, like a zero infected and a real lack of action. This was still a immensely satisfying episode. Yeah, you almost wanted Joel to reach up and go, "Don't let them tell you what you can be." <sighs> you know, could have had that I want, Logan moment. I wanted him to give a thumbs up and it slowly <laughs> melts into the snow as he sinks into the snow. <laughs> No, I mean, you know, it, it did feel a little bit rushed to me, but maybe because everything in that town was so, so good that how could anything on the back end match up to that? But um, but other than that, I did enjoy that they're getting closer. Uh, and Mike, you're probably right. Those five days were their favorite five days maybe together, right? I mean, the town seems like a pretty good place to exist in, but the way they're built, five days out there shooting, her having that kind of father figure, which – she has not 100% admitted one way or another about it, but certainly feels like she, it certainly seems like she needs that or gravitates to that or likes that in her life. And then him having her kind of t- take that spot. And notice, we don't have any uh, um, a panic attacks or anxiety attacks that were seen in those five days. So it was just breaking through this emotional wall for Joel in that. And then him waiting for her, which is his way of being like, I'll, you know, I'm, I, I do care about you. I do. You were right. And it's great to have that moment. You know, this guy's a psychologist's wet dream. Seven years with this guy, at least. But you could, but you see that. But this is how he's got to work in this business, in this situation. And then when they have the interaction, all that, and then what it leads to in the towns and, and, and sorry, in the city, and then Salt Lake City is where I think we're where we might be going next. One, well, maybe not next, but next episode after the next one. But it's good to see that kind of payoff in their interactions showing up here, where she now has to be the protector because. He's been teaching her, and she has even said in this episode, like you taught me. I did this like you taught me. So that's going to be coming into play here as we get back to Joel and Ellie. Whether we do in the next episode or not, which seems like we're focusing on Ellie's backstory in the next episode, I don't know. But when we do get back, it'll be interesting to see what the role Joel's going to play in all of this. So, yeah, just fantastic stuff uh, here overall in this episode. Um, Any? Oh, oh, I do. we missed something. Ellie's sitting in the window and reading the diary, I think, is a really important moment in the episode as well. I know we we mentioned the movie stuff. We mentioned her kind of eating the food and seeing this. But her reading what life could have been like or what, when people were just worried about boys and what sh- shirt to wear with what skirt. I think that's an interesting moment for Ellie as well, like glimpsing what this future possibility might be yet again. Yeah, what this future might be yet again mirroring what it was in the past. If what happens with her, if they use that blood, if they figure out how to use her blood in a positive way, it's almost like she's almost kind of judging it initially. But I think later on, she'll be like more like embracing that possibility and knowing that she's the one that brought it back to those kinds of like simple things to be worried about in life. 
rather than life or death stuff yeah. constantly around the corner. So really, really sweet stuff. Um, all right, any final words as we wrap up this spoiler review? I know we've gone over an hour, so we should probably wrap it up here. Uh, Michael yeah. or Shannon, any final thoughts? Just like I was, I mean, I was thinking a lot about this. I was talking to some people about the show and, and some people who were like, I don't understand why people like it so much. It's just another zombie show. And I, I think that one of the things that's interesting when you're writing a movie, like whether it be a zombie movie, a superhero story, a sci-fi story, there's two ways you go about it. You yeah. either do like a, I'm going to tell this whole big sci-fi story with my sci-fi backstory and my interesting this or whatever, and then I'm going to sort of just put a little bit of an emotional story on top because I know that's what audiences want. Yeah. And then there's the show where you're you're really just telling a really emotional story that just happens to take place in some other big universe. And that's always the better way to go. Like, this could have very easily been, let's just do this awesome zombie show. And, like, these two are going to kind of fall in love with each other over time. But, like, mostly each week we're going to have awesome zombie action. And this is not that. This is a show that is just really all about Joel and Ellie and trauma and trust and love and this relationship that's told in the backdrop of this post-apocalyptic infected cordyceps world and what's great is when you do the story that way everyone's satisfied the people who love zombie stuff and want to see awesome post-apocalyptic action we're getting it but then when you get to an episode like this where as we've said multiple times like there's not a, there's there's no infected in this episode yeah but holy shit like it just is so filled with payoffs and I think, again, we just keep saying it, but it's what makes this show, it was, it's what makes the game so brilliant, but it's what makes yeah. the show so brilliant, which is uh, we are so invested in this lovely story about what it means to love and what it means to lose and what it means to let go and what it means to recover from that. And they're just knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Shannon, any final words? I mean, I guess just to piggyback on what Vogel said, I mean, the the, the action Awesome action is is fantastic, but it's yeah. it's ten times better when you care about the people that it is that that is it is happening to, and, and I think uh, one of the advantages that this show has, if the interviews are to be believed, is that this this is not a show that's going to run on indefinitely. Like they have a definitive ending that they are working to, because like with anything anything great, you get it again and again and again and again. You get desensitized to it. Right. And so knowing that, you, you know, we've got we've, we have they have a finish line that they're working towards. You're able to get all of that sort of, you know, uh, emotional storytelling that that is so satisfying to an audience, as well as mixing in that awesome action, which makes it better because it is emotional. So yeah. I think that's where the show is doing a, a really, really good job. Yeah. And I think overall in the construction of the show, you know, this episode doesn't work two episodes ago. This episode is perfect right here after everything that happened with Henry and Sam, after everything that happened in Kansas City. This is the perfect episode. They survived that insane situation. Joel couldn't save Ellie again when Sam was on top of her. Henry had to do it. And then they had to witness Henry take himself out in that moment, in that feeling of like he failed as a protector. So this is the path he chose to take after he failed as a protector. So there's a lot bubbling underneath the surface for both of them. So to have it play out the way it plays out in this episode, it's constructed so well this season to have us care about these characters so we can dive into these relationships even more as it's happening here and the dynamics of them changing uh, as they do in this episode. All right, well, there you go. That's our spoiler review for episode six of Ken. Thank you very much for uh, watching or listening to us. You can always listen to us on the podcast feed as well. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? 
Yeah, like follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. Party down this Friday. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, well, if you like conversations about trauma and monkeys, uh, we got your back here at the Geek Buddies. And here's what you can do to make sure that we keep talking about trauma and monkeys. Uh, you can smash that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content he's got there. Leave your comments below. What did you think of this episode? What are you excited about? What are you feeling lacking? Like, let us know all your thoughts below. If you're listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments. It helps us go up in the ranking so more people can find us. And as always, the best thing you can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. And of course, big shout out to Carbon Health. Continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. Head over to their carbonhealth.com or download the app to have a doc in your pocket. They address all your healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, and really focusing on mental health as well lately. So 100-plus locations all over the country, 80-plus locations in California alone. Go get checked out today from the fine folks there at CarbonHealth.com. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. If you're watching this as we drop this, don't forget 5 p.m. PT Live. We are going with our Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Come and join us for that review as well at 5 p.m. PT on the Outlaw Nation channel. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you next time with a brand new spoiler review episode here from the Geek Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.